Here's the reason. Why an ascension? Well, this is the beginning of the reasons. The ascension of Jesus Christ is part of the exaltation of Jesus. It was necessary for God to prove this is who he says he is. We see it recorded in the gospel several times that God speaks from this voice from heaven, and he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased, and this happens a couple times. And this is God's affirmation, God's strategy, God's plan to reveal to the whole world, see, my son, the second person of the Trinity, is being exalted because of everything that he has done, who he has always been, and by the way, what he's going to continue to do for Christians and believers throughout the time that this world is going to exist. The ascension of Jesus is part of the exaltation. Let me back up for a second. Up to this point, up to this time, up to the time of Jesus' resurrection, more specifically, Jesus was in what we call the humiliated state. You might say, well, what is that all about? He was in a humiliated state. Well, let me kind of just paint the picture. You have the second person of this, of this divine trinity. The, the one who, by the way, Jesus, the second person in the trinity, was the one, he was the active agent in creation. It wasn't God the Father in creation. It wasn't God the Holy Spirit in creation. It was God the Son. It spoke and it was. Spoke, it was. Now, now you have the second person of the Trinity who is co-equal with God, co-omnipotent, uh, um, that is co-all-powerful, uh, co-all-knowing, co-equal with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you know what he does? He leaves that throne room of heaven to come here. Do you know what we call that? We celebrate that during Christmas time. What, what do we call it? We call that the incarnation. He humbles himself and he sets aside some of his power, sets aside some of his, his ability to know all things, and sets aside this, this amazing component of spirit who he is. To, to come down here to earth because of the sin problem, wrap himself in flesh and be born in the most humble of ways. He, he was humiliated. He, he, he humbled himself. And if anybody had a right to never be humbled, it's God, right? I mean, it just kind of makes sense. But he chose, because he loves us so much, to humble himself and to humiliate himself to be born in that way. You know what else he also did? He also chose to suffer. The suffering that Jesus experienced, not just on the cross, especially on the cross, but not just on the cross, the, the, the mockery and the shame and all kinds of stuff that happened to him during his entire lifetime, especially during his three and a half years of ministry, God chose, Jesus submitted to the suffering that he would have to go through in order for you and I to experience redemption. Redemption. 
and that's suffering, why should God have to suffer? But he did. So he was humbled in his suffering. Moreover, he could have called, according to the scripture, legions of angels. When they mocked him on the cross and said, Come down off the cross, physician, heal thyself. And all the other things. Oh, he saved so many people, but he can't save himself. Oh, yes, he could have. But he chose to die on that cross. Why? Because that death was the necessary price that needed to be paid so that we could experience redemption, so that we could experience salvation. Burial in a grave. He continued to be in a humbled state. And by the way, not only was he buried, but you're like, so where was he during those three days? I mean, if God is spirit, and if we all have this eternal spiritual component, where did Jesus' spiritual component go to? It went down to hell, according to the scriptures. To death in, in Hades. He reclaimed the keys to the kingdom of this world because he had paid the right price. And then came the beginning of the exaltation, the state of exaltation. And that's what we began to celebrate next week. That was started at the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus was, um, Jesus was exalted by God the Father. He was lifted up by the power of God the Father. And that began his exalted, his exaltation, his exalted state. It didn't end at the resurrection, it just began. You see, the ascension was the second part of the exaltation. Think about this. He had a physical body, this is at the resurrection, he had a physical body that was no longer subject to weakness, no longer subject to sickness, no longer subject to aging, no longer subject to death. It was in death, it was imperishable, it was glorious, and it was powerful. 1 Corinthians 15 verses 42 through 44 tells us that that's what Jesus' body, his resurrected body was, gonna be, was like. And by the way, when you and I are resurrected and we experience that glorified body, that's the same kind of body that you and I will experience. You know those songs that we always sing as Christians, the, in heaven there'll be no more death, no more pain, no more dying? We're, gonna have, we're not just going to be Casper the friendly ghost floating around. We're going to have a physical body, and our body will be glorified. It will, it will look like what Jesus' body looked like when he was exalted and raised from the, the grave. So forever and ever in eternity, we're going to have physical bodies, but they're going to no longer uh, die. They're no longer going to experience aging. There's no longer going to experience any kind of death. No, no more flu and no more colds. Yay! No more nothing. Why? Because of Jesus. That's 
product of the resurrection. In a like manner, our resurrected bodies are going to look like this. At the resurrection, Jesus began to pick up those things that he had laid down during his humiliation, but something else needed to happen. And by those things, he, he, picks, up more, he picks up that power that he had, had set aside. He picks up that omniscience that he had set aside at the resurrection, and there's something else that's needed. What is it? It's the ascension. The ascension is necessary. Jesus needed to ascend to heaven to be exalted for who he had always been and who he was. Think about this for a second. If Jesus had not, if he had just stuck around to kind of prove, uh-huh, I told you so, he wouldn't return to the throne room of heaven where he rightfully belongs. He rightfully belongs in the throne room of heaven. That's where he stepped aside long enough to come down here and to accomplish the work of redemption. He needs to go back. Why does he need to go back? Well, that's what we need to find out. If Jesus had not returned to heaven, where would that leave us? If Jesus had not ascended, what would have happened or wouldn't have happened? What are the implications? So let me kind of show you right from some texts. So if you have your, your Bible with you, let me encourage you to turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16 is the first text that we're going to pick up this morning. Um, I believe we're beginning in verse 17, or verse 7 rather. <clears throat> I want to show you right from the scriptures, exactly what would have happened and why this ascension is so crucial for yours and my Christian experience. Here we go. The Apostle John writes through the authority of the Holy Spirit, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is him recording what Jesus had said. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus, before he ever dies, says, listen, I'm going to come back. He's prophesied about the resurrection. And then he even prophesies that he's going to go away again. That's really encouraging. It's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, uh, in, in the Greek, the word is paraclete. You see the word para in there? Para means to come alongside. We're going to receive a comforter. We're going to receive a helper. And that helper is one who will come alongside of us. In fact, Jesus tells us in other passages that he's going to dwell within us and he's going to live within us. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. The Holy Spirit cannot come to you and I if Jesus remains here. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict. Listen to what the Holy Spirit does. And when he comes, he'll convict the world. Listen, I love that. I, I, I really caught that this past week. He's not saying believers. He says the world. The Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and what's the last thing? Judgment concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. So it's the Holy Spirit's job 
to reveal sin to somebody who's currently an unbeliever and for those of us who are believers. That's a product of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, we never would have received if Jesus would not have ascended into heaven. Because I go to the Father, and, and you will see me no longer, or because, excuse me, let me back up, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Verse 10, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. In other words, the, the Spirit is going to teach us and lead us into what is right, what is holy, what is true. That's the Spirit's function. And by the way, <clears throat> Because of the Father, and you will see me no longer concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Who's the ruler of this world? Satan. Satan's already been judged, and judgment is coming to him. By the way, judgment is also coming to those who do not embrace Jesus. There is a coming judgment, a finality, a final separation, and people need to know that and hear that. I still have, I love this, verse 12. So after he's just told them these several mind-blowing things, in verse 12 he continues, he says, I have so many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. In other words, there's so much more that Jesus wanted to teach his disciples, but they just couldn't handle it. They didn't have the the emotional and and the, the mental and the spiritual capacity to be able to understand the things that Jesus wanted to share with them. So when the Spirit of truth comes, who is that? That's the Holy Spirit. He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he speaks. In other words, whatever God the Father or Jesus the Son says, the Holy Spirit speaks that to you and I. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks on the authority of the Father. And he'll declare those things to you that are to come. Verse 14, he will glorify, he being the Holy Spirit, will glorify me being Jesus. For he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. The truths, the wisdom, the salvation, all these things and more. The Holy Spirit delivers those to us. In verse 15, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that He, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine and declare it to you. That's a huge passage. This past week as I was uh, going through this, and there's many other passages that I really wanted to take you to, my head was just thumping, thinking about the implications of what if not the ascension and the power of the Holy Spirit and the sign and seal of the Holy Spirit. You and I wouldn't have gotten. Let me kind of show you a few of those things. Let's do it in this way. If there was no ascension, what? If there was no ascension, number one, the Scriptures wouldn't have been fulfilled. You see, Jesus had already prophesied about, hey, I'm going to have to go away from you. He'll say in another spot that um, my father's uh, house has, or my father's house has many rooms. If it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you that. I wouldn't have lied to you. I'm going to go, I'm going to prepare those rooms so that you have a place. And Jesus wouldn't have lied to us, but if there was no ascension, Jesus couldn't go and prepare a place for us. Because why? He'd be here. By the way, the second thing is Jesus wouldn't have 
been exalted according to God's plan of salvation. He would have still lived here on earth if there was no ascension. Oftentimes, here's, here's I think I hear Christians saying once in a while, I really wish I knew what to do. I, I almost wish that Jesus was right here talking to me. Have you ever grabbed a Bible? That's God talking to us. And by the way, the, the Holy Spirit speaks to us, and He's only going to teach you the things that He hears God and the Father and Jesus the Son saying. So He speaks to us. We don't want Jesus still here. Because if he was still here, then we wouldn't get all of these amazing benefits and we wouldn't experience salvation. In fact, that's the next thing that we need to understand. If there was no ascension, then you and I would have never received the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we just read. It's to your benefit that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send you the paraclete. I'm going to send you the helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. If I don't go away, you don't get the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ascension is necessary so that you and I can be beneficiaries of receiving the promised inheritance that, that the Scriptures talk about that are assigned in the seal of our salvation. It's a down payment. The down payment of our salvation is what? Receiving the Holy Spirit. That's what the scriptures teach us. He is the, he's just the down payment. He's the deposit on the things on which you're going to receive throughout all of eternity. If there was no ascension, you and I would not receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wouldn't have been sent, and we as Christ followers, by the way, if we wouldn't have uh, received the Holy Spirit, you and I wouldn't receive spiritual gifts. According to the scriptures, according to the scriptures, Christians receive spiritual gifts. What are these spiritual gifts? They're gifts given to us through the power of the Holy Spirit so that God's body, which is what? The church can accomplish the things that God has designed and called the church to do. We wouldn't receive the gift of pastor teachers there would be no pastor teachers because the Holy Spirit wouldn't be here. There would be no church because there is no Holy Spirit. In fact, that's the next thing. If there was no ascension, there's no church. There is no church. The church, by the way, is not the building. I think we all hopefully kind of get that. I know that we, a lot of times this is what we say, well, we're going to church and sometimes um, I th I'm afraid that when we say those things, which is a completely fair thing to say, I think that sometimes we forget the church isn't this building. You and I, we're the church. We are the called out holy people of God. We are the saints of God. Sometimes we say, well, I don't feel like a saint. Well, act like one. We, we grow into this holiness that God has has called us to. <clears throat> he ascended into heaven, according to Colossians 1.8, that he might be the head of his body, the church. If there was no ascension, Jesus couldn't be the head of his body, according to Colossians chapter 1, 
verse 8. The engine of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. The engine of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit. If there is no ascension, by the way, there wouldn't be any inheritance in heaven. If Jesus were still here after the resurrection, you and I wouldn't be going to heaven. Saying, well, that sounds kind of strange. Well, what does Jesus say in John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3? In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll take you to myself that where I am that you may be also. The only reason that you and I will experience heaven and the new heaven and the new earth is because of the ascension. That's the reason that you and I get to experience heaven is because of the ascension. By the way, here's another thing. If there was no ascension, you and I would not have a high priest to intercede on our behalf. You can go to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, and you'll see there that, that we have a high priest who has been tested in every way that you and I could ever be tempted. And he's been found true. You, you see, sometimes I think that because we're Christians, I, I think that sometimes we, we think that, oh, we're not Jews, we don't need priests, uh, or uh, we don't need high priests like what the Jews have, and, and in the Catholic Church they still have priests. Priests aren't necessary. All that stuff went at the cross, in the resurrection, in the ascension. You and I now have direct access to the throne room of heaven. And you know how that, what we call that? You and I use the word all the time, prayer. Prayer is possible because of the death, the resurrection, and the ascension. You see, who do we pray to? Have you ever prayed in Jesus' name and never stopped to think, why do I pray in Jesus' name? You know why you pray in Jesus' name? Because Jesus is our high priest. He's the one who intercedes on our behalf to God the Father in heaven. You and I can now talk to God the Father directly. Why? Because we have a high priest. And where is that high priest? He's right now at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And when we have the accuser of the brethren, who is Satan, accusing, God, or accusing us to God the Father in heaven, Jesus, our high priest, our lawyer, as it were, is saying, but wait, he's been cleansed. His sins have been paid for. That might be a way that might stick with us a little bit better than the idea of the high priest is that Jesus is our lawyer, so to speak, in heaven. According to Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 through 12, <clears throat> Satan is the accuser of the brethren. All this stuff being said, I want to just drive this home to make it plain and simple. The ascension is a necessary component of God's plan of salvation. You see, God had a plan for everything that he did with salvation. He had a plan for the cross. He had a plan for the resurrection. He had a plan and a purpose, even for the ascension. But his plan doesn't stop there. You see, something happens 10 days after Jesus ascends into heaven. You and I have 
have called it by the, its Greek name, and that's Pentecost. That's what we're going to talk about next week. The necessity of Pentecost. You see, it was at Pentecost that we began to receive what Jesus had promised, which was what? What came on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what was given on Pentecost, and that's what we need to talk about next week as we kind of wrap up this idea of the excruciating life of the Christian. By the way, if you haven't heard me say, if you're maybe popping in this week in the midst of this series, even the title for our series is The Excruciating Life of the Christian. It's because that word excruciating literally means out of the cross. Christian lives are born out of the cross. That cross is what starts our plan of salvation in such an amazing way. Jesus dies that perfect sacrifice on the cross, and God is pleased with it, and so he resurrects him. And Jesus then needs to ascend to be, continue to be our, our intercessor, our high priest, so he has to go back to heaven. And then what needs to happen is God needs to send the promise and the fulfillment of the scriptures. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit then is given to us, and that's what we celebrate at Pentecost. Really what we're talking about in this whole series is God's plan of salvation, how he accomplished it. So let me kind of wrap it up in a bow and give it to you for something to take home, some take-home thoughts. Because of the ascension, God has, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and also Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, He has poured out immeasurable riches towards us. The ascension and the, 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 um, the next thing that we're going to talk about, the giving of the Holy Spirit, is what enables immeasurable riches to come down and be poured down upon you and I. Spiritual blessings that we can't even begin to wrap our minds around. Also, something to think about is because of the ascension, the rapture is possible. There's going to come a time in this time, and sometimes I wonder how soon it's coming. (laughs) According to the, the scriptures, that God is going to remove His holy people, His saints, the church, out of this world. And He's going to draw them up, and that's going to be the initiation of the seven most hellish years that this planet has ever seen. You know, we think that we saw in the 30s and 40s with the the Holocaust something absolutely unimaginable, but there's going to be a Holocaust that's going to take place during the time of the tribulation that makes that look like a walk in the park. And because of the ascension The rapture is now possible, and so you and I don't have to be afraid of going through these horrible times of the tribulation. We're going to be raptured and taken out because His church is not a vessel of wrath. Last thing, because of the ascension, at the end of the day, what happens is you and I have hope. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to be afraid of, oh, no, I know I sinned today. I wonder if God is, oh, is he going to strike me? Well, if you're a Christian, the answer is no. 
because his sacrifice on the cross paid for all your sins. And now you have hope. We have hope through Jesus Christ and through the power of God and the resurrection, and we have hope through the ascension. And what we're going to talk about next week is we have hope because of the sending of the Holy Spirit. All four are necessary components of God's gift of salvation. And so as we're celebrating this Easter season, let's not too quickly, like, like I find myself kind of gravitating, let's not too quickly forget about the resurrection because all this stuff works together for God's purpose and His plan so that you and I might be loved greatly and experience Him forever and ever.